0: Welcome to the conversation. My name is Benjamin Dixon, host of The Benjamin Dixon Show, filling in here, excited to be speaking with Alexandra Rojas. She is the executive director of Justice Democrats. Alexandra, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Ben. It's nice to meet you for the first time. Uh, the pleasure
0: <laughs> is definitely mine, especially because I, I am a huge fan. And I don't like to use that word often in, in regards to politics. But I, I am a fan of the success of Justice Democrats and getting progressives elected to Congress and in different positions. Tell us about um, what you all do and the journey towards that success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for, for having me on and just wanna say thank you really quickly to all of the TYT supporters that have been fans from Justice for, of Justice Democrats from the very beginning because all of the victories that we've seen from Marie Newman to Cori Bush to Jamal Bowman, uh, have been because of them and people believing in us when uh, so many would not. So just just to say that, and I mean what what we're doing is is really recruiting the next generation of leadership to enter Congress at a time where our country desperately needs it. And obviously we didn't get involved uh, uh, when the you know once the pandemic started, but it has really crystallized how important. Um, All of the work that we're doing is right right now, and we can see, um, you know, through the work of uh, electoral politics and also merging this sort of social movement aspect of of you know to our strategy has been really successful in making sure that cycle after cycle, at least for the past two that we've been in existence, Mm -hmm. we are actually getting seats in power. So it's not just uh, putting up really really good, which we have, and uh, but it's also Actually, winning seats, and um, right. as I'm sure you know, and and so does the rest yeah. of the TYT audience, is that this progressive bloc has a lot more power than uh, you know we've seen in 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 years uh, right. in, in Congress.
0: You know, and that that kind of speaks to the climate of everything that's happening now, the squad, the vote for uh, Nancy Pelosi and the uh, fraud squad, all these different type of arguments that are going on now. Would you speak on not necessarily any of that uh, context, but speak on the progressiveness and the background checking and the connectivity that you have? So three things like you guys know who you, you vet these people, right? and you help them get elected, but you also stay connected to them. So if anyone can speak in terms of the caliber of progressives that are up there, it should be Justice Democrats.
1: Absolutely, and, and just to give some insight, we're actually in our recruitment drive right now for 2022. So if folks have anyone in any part of the country uh, that is a local leader, uh, nominate them right now at justicedemocrats.com slash nominate or tell five of your friends uh, to go ahead and look out because we got nominations from all of our justice Democrats, from their high school teachers, from their from their family members, from local education activists. It really uh, takes takes a big a big effort. Um, and I mean, I guess the the thing I would I would say and, and what we try to do is be really humble with each of these victories that, that we do have because there is so much to learn from these victories. There's so much to learn. From these losses, and this is the first time, at least, you know, as a young 25-year-old head of a grassroots organization, and watching folks like Cory Bush, folks like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, and Jamal Bowman enter Congress, whereas previously we had to convince them uh, that this was even worth it because right. they were concerned about whether or not they could afford uh, to run, what they was going to do to their families, and all the uh, obstacles that they're facing right now as they just got sworn in. Uh, the other day. And so our approach has been to uh, continue to build relationships as a new player, sort of on the hill, uh, where we've really looked at it as now we've proven ourselves, we we, we actually have a theory of change uh, that, that works and has built a lot of power. And now it's getting to to know sort of the institution yeah. on the inside and working with a lot of these new members that are figuring it out for themselves. Um, and, and a lot of this is not you know, uh, a month-long process, a year-long process. It it takes years, right? It's it's right. chess, not checkers. Uh, and so that's sort of the, the work that we're doing right now. And I think as progressives in, in our name, right, we have to actually deliver. We have to create progress. Yeah. And so what we're focused on is delivering immediate, tangible, visible results uh, to to address COVID. Because if we don't, right, we have 80% of small businesses that are going to go out. We've got people that will literally be evicted and are not yeah. sure what, what's going to happen with their rent. You know, you you know, the yeah. the whole deal. We've got two thousand dollar checks that we could be giving to Americans right now, depending on how, how Georgia goes today. Uh, so I think how can we utilize our progressive block in the short term to actually deliver those immediate results? Because we're going to need that in 2022 yeah. and 2024 as Democrats. And then in the long term, like how can we. Uh, when when we're not as empowered as we'd like to be, how can we expand the social safety net? How can we expand Medicaid, especially in the middle of a pandemic, to make sure that we're sort of constantly building um, in in these stimulus packages and obviously in future legislation?
0: Wow. Um, There's a lot there and there's a lot that has to be discussed. I wanna hone in on one thing that you mentioned in terms of institutional power. Um, Would you speak to the growth in institutional power for the left, for progressives, in terms of actually getting what is necessary in order to implement the change, and how Justice Democrats play a, plays a role in that.
1: It's it's so in- interesting as as I've sort of I've se- logged on for the first time in a little while because <laughs> <laughs> I've been focused on uh, some of the work that we have to do yeah. offline. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's you know, institutional left is is sort of a funny term because. Uh, even though yes, there have we stand on uh, the the shoulders of giants, and there has been a lot of work amongst the broader progressive movement for for decades. Um, at the same time, we we don't have, I think, the the sort of institutional, you know, AOC, Jamal Bowman, Cory Bush style left that I think a lot of people are talking about. And so, Justice Democrats and a number of other progressive organizations uh, that that are that that grew out sort of over the past four years and and, and are starting to, to grow even more at, you know, from their their start, are really like taking shape to be able to, and now we have champions in Congress that are actually willing to, to carry the mantle on the inside. So a lot of the sort of ecosystem of support, uh, at least at Justice Democrats PAC, we've been building over the past, you know, two two three and a half and a half years mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on the campaign side, on the front end. That takes a lot of work and and we've we've gotten really good at that. And now we're focusing, at least as an organization, I know that obviously with new members, right, they're focused on really building out that the same sort of ecosystem of support or institutional uh, infrastructure building that we need on the Hill. And, Mm, you know, it's these types of things when you're going up against, you know, a 40 year plus institution like the Democratic Party, are, are going to take time, but we have to be intentional. We have to be disciplined about mm-hmm. how we build those out. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely so. Uh, one final question in terms of that institutional power and it's specifically what Justice Democrat does. Um, can you speak to the concerns that people may have in terms of primary uh, existing Democrats and the institutional power that you, uh, the Justice Democrats has to do that, but also the prerogative to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the I, I clearly don't have a, a big concern, but I think where other folks concerns lie, or I think my our primary concern is the fact that you know seventy percent of elections in this country aren't even contested. It's only the general, and mm-hmm. so the idea of living in a democracy where we do have a debate of a robust debate of ideas, where we have the choice to pick multiple candidates in an elections, that's where uh, you know. Our process is is primaries is is where that's supposed to happen Mm. is one thing. I think also, um, you know, it 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 is. You could argue if if you're sort of in the more moderate or centrist wing that you build a lot of institutional knowledge being on the inside as an incumbent. Uh, You want to be in there to represent your constituents and do a good job for a long time. Uh, The the institution itself. Rewards you for that, but it doesn't reward the American people when you have politicians in there for for decades. And so our sort of concern there is is again democracy and, and actually having a robust debate about the future of what this country and what this party should should look like, mm-hmm. um, and be able to, uh, you know, d- debate that in a more open setting. Because no incumbent, no politician, regardless of party, should be beholden. To their seat, um, mm-hmm. we should have a democracy where uh, it, it's it's more regularly practiced. So I think, uh, and the last point that I'll end on in terms of the utility to our movement, I think it's one of the biggest tools in our toolbox in terms of actually making uh, a competitive go at the establishment, whether it's Democratic or Republican, to be able to show that we actually are are willing to 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 build power. And if you're not going to I wouldn't say necessarily fall in line, but if you're not going to be urgent in in your seat, if you're not going to be responsive to uh, the movements of our time, and especially young people uh, in the base of the Democratic Party that's increasingly Black, Brown, uh, and young, then you need to to step aside and we're going to engage in, you know, the tools of our democracy through primaries.
0: Mm, Awesome. Alexandra Rojas, Executive Director of Justice Democrats, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Welcome back to The Conversation. My name is Benjamin Dixon, host of The Benjamin Dixon Show, joined now by Gary Chambers, Jr. He is the candidate for Louisiana's second congressional district. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing good, Ben. Thank you for having me, brother.
0: Pleasure is mine. I've seen you across the internet. You've had viral videos. You're outspoken person. Tell us how you went from um, the viral video that many people may have seen of you to running for Congress.
2: Well, um, I've been an advocate here in the Baton Rouge area for uh, nearly a decade now, uh, pushing on a host of different issues from economic development, healthcare care access, uh, as well as education issues. And I ran for office in 2019 and was unsuccessful uh, because I just cared about uh, the state of where things are and wanted to see change happen in my community. And when Representative Cedric Richmond decided to take a position with uh, President-elect Biden, Some folks reached out and said they thought that I should consider this. It wasn't initially something that I was looking at, but uh, went into it with an open mind and launched an exploratory committee and raised over $100,000 through the uh, exploratory process. And that gave me the confidence to say that we could do this. Uh, And just yesterday when we announced we raised over $50,000 just on opening day. And so I'm excited. We've had four thousand people contribute to this campaign at this point, which says that this is a people powered movement. uh, And I'm just excited to be able to go out and touch the people of Louisiana and fight for change.
0: Listen, you got me excited about your race already. Tell me about the second congressional district. Is it anything like the 21st in Florida? Uh, Just tell me about that.
2: So the second congressional district is a majority African-American district and it stretches over 10 parishes. We have 10. uh, We have parishes in Louisiana instead of counties. And Mm -hmm. it stretches over 10 parishes from the capital city of Baton Rouge all the way uh, to the city that everybody loves, New Orleans, uh, includes the river parishes here. And so we went and touched all 10 parishes last week and we're gonna do uh, just that and work through this uh, process and touch every part of this district that we can because I really believe that the people of this district wanna see a progressive agenda that takes us from the 50th ranked state forward.
0: Mm, absolutely. And again, yeah, no, it sounds exactly like many of the districts that I grew up living in, um, where it's, it's a very thinly uh, gerrymandered district that you have to drive through 10 parishes. Now, I, I, I spent some time in Louisiana. You ever heard of the Washington Parish Fair by any gents? Uh, yes. up there. It's on the other side of Lake Pontchartrain, Covington, Franklin. So I know I know the area pretty well. And I know that's a lot of traveling. I know it that is. that's a lot of wear and tear on your team and on you. Uh, and and that's not by circumstance, but you're having to fight inside of this type of district.
2: That's a fact, man. You know, we we literally had that conversation when we were driving uh, to St. Charles Parish. We were like, you know, they literally just put this in here. Right. Um, And it it speaks to the systemic issues that we know exist in this government. Right. The inequities that exist that that though black people make up 34 percent of the state of Louisiana, we only have one black congressman for our state. Um, And that's telling. Right. It's intentional. It's deliberate. And that's why we got to go to Washington to fight so that we can fight for the rights of people to have fair voting practices, to have fair districts drawn so that they can be represented equitably.
0: Mm. I see one of your models in life is to do good and seek justice. How do you address seeking justice in a unjust or unjust system? One like the gerrymandered district that you have to drive through 10 parishes to actually compete, but yet you're in that system and you have to use that system to fight against that system. Talk about that for me.
2: So for me, it, that's the process, right? Whether we like it or not, it is the process. And if you're going to be an advocate, your advocacy has to turn into policy at some point and change that, e- that impacts the lives of people. Um, and so I'm going to sit down and talk to people from every part of the party uh, and every other party, right? Because I just believe that if you have a data driven conversation with people and you talk about the fact that Louisiana ranks 50 in the nation, we rank number 50 in crime, number 49 in opportunity. And Mm. if we don't figure out how to increase the opportunities, we'll never decrease the crime and our state will never be as prosperous as it could be. And so I want to talk to people from every persuasion uh, in Louisiana and outside of Louisiana as we go uh, to Congress about how do we fix things in place? that we clearly recognize things are broken. And you can talk Republican policies all you want. My state is ran by a Republican legislature in the Senate and the House. And so what that tells me is that those policies aren't working. And when I go to Washington, I'm gonna tell Republicans to their face, your policies don't work for the people in my state. And so Mm. you can't justify uh, that we go down that road. If I live in a state ran by Republicans, that happens to rank 50 in the nation.
0: Mm, that's powerful. Now, t- talk to me about like you personally and 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 your motivations and because, you know, when you get to a certain level and you're running this campaign, you know, you're participating in a system that some people are going to look at you and think, oh, oh, you shouldn't even be running for office. But but you're running and you're fighting and you have you have a drive to seek for love and justice and do good. What is your motivation?
2: Well, I've got a 10 year 11 year old daughter. Uh, she just turned 11. Uh, I've got an 11 year old daughter named Zoe that I fight for every day. Uh, I've got family and friends that I fight for and the communities that I love, right? I grew up in uh, a majority black community. I grew up in schools where, uh, that were, for me, good schools. I remember my teachers who uh, spent time with us and, and and poured into our lives. And I'm fighting for working class people like that, right? That, that are a part of the system, that recognize that they deserve to live in communities that have grocery stores, that they deserve to live in communities uh, that have high quality of life and good jobs, right? I'm fighting because I come from these communities and understand what it was and the potential that we had that has not been reached because the government has just been inequitable when it deals with us. And so uh, I talk about do good and seek justice. That really comes from Isaiah 1 and 17, do good, seek justice help the widow, the orphan, and the oppressed. And so too long we have allowed conservatives to own the narrative of faith. Um, I'm a man of faith who believes that my faith leads me uh, to do good and seek justice for all people. But you knew I knew that already,
0: right? <laughs> like we, we never compared notes before, but I already knew, right? We yes. have that common language, and, and it speaks to our ability to see the problem, common a common problem, and to have a similar solution with a similar inspiration. We have that common bond. How do you develop that bond with other people who aren't from our same kind of district?
2: I think you just got to be willing to sit out and talk to people. You know, the, the realities are, while uh, there's so much partisan bickering back and forth, these are just regular people at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, I've talked to Republicans here in Baton Rouge who've helped us uh, fight to keep the zoo in North Baton Rouge, where on other issues, we we completely disagree. And right. so we've got to be willing to sit down and have conversations with people. And some things we're going to disagree on and some things we're going to be able to work together on, but we've got to be willing to have a conversation.
0: Mm. Mm. And, and in that conversation, there has to be uh, two actors who are going to a- engage in good faith. Do you find that you can find people across the aisle who will engage in good faith with you?
2: I think not everyone will, but but I'm an optimistic person, right? Uh, and so I step into things and look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. Not naive to understanding where we are and what we're dealing with and the partisan politics that exist in our country, but hopeful and optimistic enough that there'll be some people in, this, in, in the Congress that are willing to have a conversation. Mm. And if they're not, then, you know, I'm about fighting for my people. people. Right. Period, point blank
0: You know, tell everyone how they can get up with you Support your campaign And if they want to volunteer, where should they go?
2: They can go to chambersforcongress.com And you can sign up to volunteer You can donate Uh, We're going to be rolling out our platform in the next few weeks We are aggressively going after this We got 11 weeks to election day This is a very short uh, runway But I'm excited about it And anybody who wants to support can go to chambersforchange.com Chambersforcongress.com to to volunteer or donate.
0: Yeah. When you get there, would you could do you consider yourself like uh, a potential squad member? Not that not not that names matter, but sometimes you got to clan up. Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to squad up.
2: I am. I am a fan of the squad. That's what I'll say. And if they would (laughs) have, I would be uh, more than welcome to join them in fighting for the people.
0: Well, I tell you what, we're going to do what we can to at least get your voice heard as much as we can. I think it's an important voice, and I appreciate you joining us, Gary Chambers Jr., who is running for the 2nd Congressional District. That race is in, uh, wait a minute, I mean, you said 11, 11 weeks. That's right it's around the corner.
2: It's in March.
0: It's we got in a March.
2: March.
0: No. How many people are in the... I know we are we getting ready to get out of here, but is the, is the field really deep right now? How many people are in the race?
2: There are three or four declared candidates uh, other than us, and, and I'm excited to be able to have the opportunity to...
0: Discuss the issues with them. And why do you stand out
2: above them? I'm not a career politician. I'm a man of the people.
0: That's what I'm talking about, and we can guarantee. I, I, I feel that. I feel that coming through this Al Gore's internet. Thanks again, <laughs> Gary Chambers, Jr. We appreciate uh, what you're doing there, and best of luck on your race. Thank you, brother. Take care.